0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fire the Cannon, the podcast where we love Dune. Do an analysis of classic literature, that is. I'm your host, Rachel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Why don't you introduce yourself, Jacqueline? My name is Jackie. I'm one of the hosts of this podcast.
1: I'm Theo. I'm the producer. And? And we have a special guest today. <laughs>
2: yeah. Rachel, you didn't introduce yourself, did you?
1: I, I don't think Rachel introduced herself. No, you I, did. Just I said I'm is... Rachel. We'll say it again, just in case. Okay.
0: Uh, hello. Yet again, I'm Rachel, one of the other <laughs> hosts of the podcast. And this is our guest, former comedian, current doctor, <laughs> brand new dad, Jack. Do you want us to say your last name? We've been doing it, so I hope that's okay. <laughs> Morgan, Jack Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing he says, Morgan.
3: <laughs> My baby's name is Henry Morgan.
2: Oh, are we allowed to say that? Really doxing that baby? We've doxing. been calling him Cannon yeah. Morgan. Yeah.
3: You know, Captain Morgan's name was Henry the Rum. He was a real guy. He was governor of Jamaica.
0: So he was probably terrible.
3: I bet he has a few skeletons in his closet. <laughs> I know he was. Yeah. A, he was a notorious <laughs> turf. He was definitely a trans-exclusive radical feminist, so that's...
0: Ugh,
2: yeah, (laughs) Captain Morgan is canceled. (laughs) So you, you named your baby after Captain Morgan or after... The author, Henry James.
3: Oh, that's right, yeah. The Turning of the Screw? Is that yep. what he wrote?
0: The, the Taming of the Shrew.
3: Have you covered that?
0: Not yet, but we'll wait till your baby's old enough to talk and we'll have him on.
3: <laughs> okay. Well,
2: I bet he's going to be having some great insights. He's probably just born with them.
3: I Not to brag or anything, but he seems like a pretty smart baby.
0: <laughs> what has he done?
3: Well, yeah, what evidence <laughs> do you have for that? Uh, he's awake. He's <laughs> awake. His eyes are open a lot
2: I was going to say, I feel like I know he was a little post-term But he seems like he's older than he
0: is Fully baked, yeah
3: He's less potato than most other newborns Lily's nice and healthy She had a C-section, which was unplanned But she's healing well from that She's able to like, you know, get in and out of bed and walk around Nice She's making milk I'm probably going to talk about her breasts a lot
0: <laughs> My mom had four C-sections
1: Wow for one baby. Yeah, for, just
0: for me.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: one for each of your limbs.
2: Yes, yeah, it was kind of like a assemble after delivery kind of thing, like it came with a little IKEA manual.
3: Henry was made like a ship in the bottle. How did we get that whole baby in there? <laughs> yeah, right. We
2: had to break the bottle and glue it back together.
0: <laughs> so why what are we what are we gathered here today to talk about, Jackie? Today, we're gathered here to talk about Dune.
3: I'm Jackie, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's really
2: confusing. Um, Jackie boy, Jackie girl. Um, We're gathered here to talk about Dune because this is Jack's favorite book, parentheses, question mark, parentheses. It better be. I've been telling everyone it is.
3: It's my favorite book that would be appropriate for this podcast.
2: And your favorite book that would not be appropriate?
3: Maybe Book of the New Sun by Gene Wolfe. That's an awfully good one.
2: That would work. That's a classic. That's a
3: great reputation. I wouldn't say if it's... It is. Yeah. Uh, What else do I really like?
2: When you're saying appropriate, you're saying like a classic, not like this is a porn. No. no. <laughs> okay. I've got
3: a few suggestions there too. But. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk later. Yeah.
2: So basically we wanted to kind of talk about Dune instead of the plot because we talked about the plot in the last episode that we did, Our Friends the Worms. This time we want to talk about the substance and just some analysis and anything weird about it. There's a few weird things that I know Rachel and I wanted to discuss um, mm. but also kind of just want to hear Jack's thoughts so
0: we can just have a little convo. Yeah, give us your thoughts. Let's do it. How many times have you read it when was the first time blah blah blah
3: i was 23 when i read it it was right after college and my brother bought it for me my brother is a literary agent in new york so he represents authors oh. specifically science fiction authors
0: uh, wait a second we need to talk to him get some of their asses on this pod
3: yes you should
0: see we're
2: just using it we're just climbing right over him jack right, You the...
3: don't need me bye <laughs> <laughs> no we like to have you on <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs>
3: So anyway, yeah, I was 23. I was dating a girl at the time and I let her borrow it. And then we broke up and never got it back.
0: But you had already finished it.
3: Yes, I had finished it.
2: Was it your favorite book the first time you read it or did it take you a few times?
3: I wouldn't say it's my favorite book. Uh, It's one of them, though. It's really good. So I had two different impressions of it. The first time I read it, because you're just getting the plot for the first time and just, like, learning the story. And then the second time, you can, like, consider how he wrote it Mm -hmm. and, like, the choices he made, because you already know, like, roughly what's coming next. So the first time I read it, I was struck by just how—I'm probably not using this word right—positivist it is. He's like, Mm -hmm. if you do X and then Y— z will happen mm. so like the Binet-Sarat, their idea is like if you breed certain types of people enough times down the line and you plant it enough eventually you can create this superhuman and i guess that's sort of like the genetic version of like the uh, planet forming okay. or probably what he saw in where is he washington he's in like spokane washington and like the sand dunes out there
2: there are sand dunes in spokane washington
3: Maybe Tacoma? Somewhere in Washington. That's where he lived. Oh,
2: I had no idea. Well, okay, so...
3: So I think he just took that and applied it to, like, not just sand dunes, but, like, an entire planet. Not just a planet, but, like, genealogy. Hmm.
2: Well, that seems like the Benny Gesserit, their whole idea, like their whole entire plan really hinged on that working, but they had no reason to believe it would, right? That they were really testing this hypothesis over a very long period of time and just like assuming it will pay off with a superhuman. But how do you know?
3: I never considered that, might not. And I assume like, so like their ability to uh, control people's muscles and uh, make people believe certain things, I assume had like some sort of, scientific basis or it wasn't like truly magic Mm -hmm. because that's the fundamental difference between fantasy and science fiction is that in science fiction everything has a at least a somewhat plausible reasoning behind it right you may not know explicitly how to make a laser ray gun but you can say well it has something to do with light as opposed to just you know fairies
2: and they did have a lot of stuff in dune that was like not explaining the technology but you kind of like, Rachel and I were kind of having a very small debate about how the many Gesserit are supposed to give birth to girls every time. Like, so Rachel thought it was that if they conceive a male, they just can, like, figure it out and then get an abortion and then try again. Whereas I thought they were, like, somehow using their bodies and their mind power to just, like, conceive a girl.
3: To control, like, what kind of sperm happened to get to the egg? Yeah. I assumed it was the second one, too, because it didn't say, like, they would abort male fetuses. But, uh, you know, I don't know.
2: Nice. All right. Two points for me. Suck
3: it, Rachel. I'll never
2: give Jackie a point. So I think we want to talk about your impressions from like the second time you read it. So like how he did things and what choices he made. So what do you think was effective? What do you think was not effective?
3: (laughs) I think he decided to end it immediately. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He ended it at a really weird spot. <laughs> it,
3: was, it was so sudden. Like this whole time, you have decided to really sort of linger in words and take your time explaining things until you decide very much to not take your time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just say this is the end now. Now got tired. Oh, I I do remember it was it was a tough read the first time because he really throws you in there. Yeah. with all of the uh, jargon. I just can't imagine the amount of world building and like the amount of secondary stuff he must have written Mm -hmm. just to give it a sense of being complete and three dimensional.
2: Yeah. Is that how you write a book like that? Like you write a ton of stuff, take out most of it and then publish it.
3: I've heard a good way of doing characterization is to have characters write letters to each other. Hmm. And even though it definitely won't be in the book, it just helps you get a better grasp of who they are. And
2: maybe we should try that on our podcast. Like Theo will cut it out, but we can just give long monologues to each other. He
0: does cut that out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think that like causes people to feel like they're part of like a an exclusive community when basically if you're giving people a ton of words that can't be used anywhere else and mm. you're not really explaining them, do you think it like just makes people feel cool that they understand what's going on and then they can like use that lingo with other people in the community?
3: I think so. I don't know. Is there, like, a huge, like, nerd community around Dune? Yes. Oh, yeah. is there? Oh, okay.
2: I, I've, I've recently joined the subreddit, and it is a huge deal. I have, too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, maybe we've come across each other. I know some things that we wanted to talk about, Jack, were um, basically feminism and Orientalism. I think I'm going to i start with the, the feminism thing. This is because
3: not my area of expertise.
2: Well, let's just opine <laughs> together. Well, okay. don't, so did you notice anything weird about about how he treats women in the book? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> not saying there is anything, but did you notice anything?
3: I forget her name, but the guy that Paul killed. Jameis. Jameis, so his wife. She was like, oh, you killed my husband. You want to fuck me? No? Okay, I'll be your servant. <laughs>
2: That, But also, I was so irritated at the way he treated Jessica, because Jessica was like, all of a sudden, she just became a complete idiot. She was so ineffectual, whereas before she had been like probably the most powerful character.
3: Yeah, and all of a sudden, like a switch, she was like, man, this kid's the man, instead of just her 15-year-old son.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he was not polite
3: enough. No. And I, I saw that in um The Name of the Wind. I stopped reading it halfway through because the main character was such like an alpha male and like other guys around him were so submissive and they would like fight with each other over like who had his favor and stuff and it's very (laughs) unrealistic and kind of a immature fantasy sounds
2: homoerotic a bit of that yeah do you think like the author was just like writing himself into the the main character i'm assuming this author is a man
3: (laughs) what gave it away (laughs) that (laughs) that is his name yeah
0: I, so I read that first book and I liked it fine and then I started reading the second book and there's this literally like a hundred page long interlude where the guy loses his virginity to a sex goddess and the goddess is like, oh, you are so good at sex. Like, Whoa. please stay with me and keep having <laughs> that sex. Was not
2: your first time.
0: Come on. Uh, <laughs> she literally is like, oh my gosh, he's so good at sex. And he's, he is a virgin. He's a teen nerd virgin. Nurgin. Yeah, he's a teen Nurgin. And that's when I put the book down and I haven't picked it back teenage up. Teenage
2: Mutant Nurgin Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> was that a terrible joke?
0: Yeah.
3: I, I liked it. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had a lot of sex, actually. So
0: Yeah, that was really offensive of you to assume they were virgins. Yeah. Okay, everybody start somewhere.
3: <laughs> I was born not a virgin.
0: So. <laughs> that's
2: upsetting, <laughs> that <is> upsetting. <laughs> now I have question okay so we've been talking a lot at. Uh, this is a total aside but um, we've been talking a lot at work about um, vanishing twins and twins like absorbing each other in the womb mm. what's the deal with that <laughs>
0: okay can, can you just Seinfeld? go ahead and tell
2: me Yeah,
3: I don't So there's one called a twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome where (laughs) arteries will develop from one twin to the other. Mm -hmm. So one twin will gradually shrink because they're losing blood and nutrition, and the other baby will actually get too big because they're getting, like, too much blood. Mm -hmm. And the surgery for that is they actually, like, laser off the arteries. Yeah,
2: you have to ablate the abnormal connections.
3: To
1: clarify for
3: our audience. Yeah,
2: sorry, if they don't understand what he said about lasering them.
1: They have to ablate them. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. There's also something called, um, it's like a fetus paparacius or something. Have you heard of that where it's like a... Is that
3: where it becomes calcified?
2: Um, it becomes like a thing, like the baby just gets like flattened into a pancake. Oh, no, yeah.
0: <laughs> the solution to that is to get up to a bicycle pump and... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's horrifying.
1: So it gets flattened because the other one is growing faster or something and smushes it? Against it just
2: smushes it, yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: I would feel guilty about that for the rest of my life if I had done that.
2: Oh, yeah, I mean, Matheo feels guilty for almost everything. But imagine if you had squished your twin. Yeah. Or sucked out all their blood. Or had sex with it like Jack apparently did.
3: <laughs> I did it Bugs Bunny style where he dressed up like a lady to trick elmer fudd so okay yeah.
2: uh, all right so we, uh moving on from that <laughs> on, but
3: <laughs> i can't believe i'm a former comedian
2: <laughs> i just suddenly realized i want to talk to jack about weird twin stuff instead of dune
0: <laughs> all right
3: but it, but in some ways the Sarah were like very powerful very smart cunning so that could be seen as a like pro-feminist
0: the problem is women just being powerful doesn't make something feminist. Which is what I wanted to read you guys because someone posted something on Reddit about this very mm. thing. It's like
2: she was waiting for you to say that, Jack, so she could be like, actually.
0: Yeah, actually, fuck actually, you. Yeah, on
2: Reddit, they say. I do
0: want to hear that. Okay, it's pretty funny. So this person is like, so I've been reading the series and I've seen a lot of reviews that criticize Herbert's writing for being sexist. This really surprises me because one of my favorite things about the series is it struck me as very feminist leto's army is this is a different leto like the child i guess is all female because their nurturing instincts make them better suited for battle than their male counterparts so feminist that's why it's feminist
3: (laughs) It's just poor logic.
0: (laughs) He balances this out with many positive depictions of female sexuality and female orgasm, which came across as especially progressive to me considering the fact that when these books came out, most men didn't even know women could have orgasms.
2: (laughs) Like the traits were so dire that just like him describing it, somehow that's feminist.
0: (laughs) Meanwhile, I always interpreted Herbert's view of men as much more cynical. The majority of male characters are depicted as easily manipulated fools who lose all autonomy and self-control. So that's, that's the thing. So this person is like, this book is feminist because women are nurturing and therefore are better soldiers than men and the male characters are all idiots. So isn't the book feminist? <laughs> I must have been confused my whole life cuz I always thought the purpose of soldiers was to hurt people. Nope, it's to nurture them. I didn't realize them.
2: they were like actually a nurturing force. Man, I guess I'm not a I guess I'm not a pacifist anymore. Yeah. I am now pro war cuz you're just going into countries and just like cradling and singing and
3: mm. yeah. I saw an interview with Frank Herbert where they asked him like to explain Dune or like what he's trying to say. Yeah. And he was saying like, well, you know, spice is roughly a metaphor for oil. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, why didn't you just say that? Why didn't you, instead of writing a novel, why didn't you just write a treatise on like how oil affects <laughs> politics? He's like, well, nobody in the world would read that. Yeah. A good way of getting people to listen to you is to tell it through a story, through metaphor. and, and you know, But
2: sure. then you couch it in so much uncertainty that no one gets the metaphor anymore. And then <laughs> no, I mean, I think spice as oil is pretty obvious, but.
3: Yeah, so maybe he had some things to say about the relationship between men and women. And it sounds like we disagree with
0: (laughs) this person said i'd say paul being who he is as a result of three important powerful women is pretty dang feminist so a man becoming a god emperor and having three women he cares about is feminist
3: (laughs) yeah Uh. also paul is not the good guy in the later books
0: Well, that's what someone else said. They're like, how dare people criticize this without having read the entire series?
3: (laughs) So I've read the sequel, Dune Messiah, which is very strange and becomes kind of like Oedipus. So he like blinds himself and... I think somehow he has sex with his mother indirectly or whatever, but um, what? he sets off a nuclear bomb and whatnot.
0: Paul, with Jessica? He indirectly has sex with his mother and sets off a nuclear bomb.
3: I think so. It becomes very like, <laughs> why did you turn this into Oedipus? That's a strange direction for this to take suddenly.
2: Okay, so that's actually something interesting because I didn't – I'm not saying I, like, directly got this vibe from Dune because, of course, I only read Dune, like, the first book, but – I kind of got the feeling like after Paul became super smart and Jessica was just like this bumbling fool following him around in the desert, not being good at anything, that she did kind of stop looking at him as her son and started looking at him as like a man, but not just like... A man who's her son. There was no indicator in Dune that she was like, I'm attracted to my son. But it was just like, she deferred to him in a very weird way. And I could kind of see that setting up Dune Messiah. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So later on, there's like this sect of women who control men by creating like um, uncontrollably powerful orgasms and that causes them to become like zombies and slaves to them in the men. Yes. So that's how they control men wow. and get them to do their bidding.
0: Very that's feminist. So,
3: feminist. <laughs> 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 so at that point, it's almost like a pulpy, the 30 foot woman from Venus, like that yeah. sort of brand of, of like Zaza hoochie coochie. What am I trying to say here? <laughs> um, so I don't know what, at what he had to say about men and women, Maybe we would disagree with him or agree with him. I don't know. But it was also the 60s. Yeah. I don't know if that excuses it or not.
2: It sounds kind of like he's saying that men and women can really only have power over each other through the differences that they have. And the only differences are like their genitals.
0: It's just gender essentialist. Yeah. It feels weird to read today. For someone to mm-hmm. be so much like, men do this, women do this. I mean, it's just, it's it's very weird. I think the worst part is the end of the book. The ending.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: and also that Jessica is so obsessed with her husband, and then she's obsessed with her son, defines herself by that. Like, who's he going to marry, and who's going to be good enough for yeah, him? Yeah, and then yeah. the bit at the end where they're like, well... <laughs> Too bad for her. Yeah. Instead of thinking like, yeah, hey, you know, we're in love, but you have to marry this woman. Let's at least be nice to her. She's like, no, fuck that wife. Yeah. We're the best concubines forever.
3: <laughs> Why would that be the ending message?
0: It's a terrible ending, like a truly terrible ending.
3: Completely, not opposite, but just totally different from the overall message and tone of the rest of the book.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't fit.
2: It,
3: it feels like a totally different person wrote it. Do
2: you think like he meant to just continue and he was like, oh, well, I'm going to do a second book anyway, so I'll just cut it off here. You know, it almost just feels like it was an arbitrary decision.
0: Yeah. He should have ended earlier or later, but ending right there is just such a bad decision. <laughs> um, Hand up, big vote for earlier. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want Erlon to be like introduced I guess because she's been doing all the, the intros to the chapters
3: yeah I guess well she does become a character in the next book and she immediately tries to kill Paul
0: nice really right off the bat that bitch I mean good for her I guess mm-hmm. that kind of explains why she's so down on uh, Dr. Yue because she is embarrassed that she did the same thing
3: is she down on UA?
0: Yeah. Yeah. A thousand deaths are not enough for Dr. UA. Oh. oh, yeah. That's
3: <laughs> also,
0: I've been seeing because Dune is such a big topic now
2: because of the movie. I've been seeing on Twitter people saying things like maybe it would have been better for Frank Herbert not to immediately tell us that Dr. UA was going to betray. Because here's what happened in my stupid brain. Mm. When it starts out, a thousand deaths are not enough for Dr. UA because he was the traitor, I think that's like one of the first chapters, right? Like it's pretty early on in the book. And then there are like three that say Dr. Dr. Yue is going to be the traitor. Yeah. And I thought, well, he must have already betrayed him and been forgiven because he's like (laughs) currently working for him. And I was like, God, what did he do? Is he going to do it again? Like, I was just so confused. I was like, why would you let this traitor keep working for you?
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, let it surprise the reader. That would be a much more fun thing. For the reader to like keep thinking that it's gonna be Jessica, because so many people think that Jessica's the traitor. Yeah,
2: maybe he wanted to psych us out. Like he wanted us to think, oh well he she's telling us this, so that can't be who it is. It's gotta be someone else.
3: As a doctor, I identified with uh secretly murdering your patient. <laughs> As in you've done that.
2: <laughs> Cut that out.
3: <laughs> that was my
1: favorite part.
2: <laughs> the poisonous tooth. Wasn't that Theo's favorite part too? The
1: poisonous tooth.
2: Yeah, didn't
0: you have a favorite part? What was your favorite part?
1: I don't think it was the poison tooth. Oh, it was, I think I really liked the box with it that hurt his hand. <laughs>
0: the box there that told you if he was an animal or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you have a hand, eh, probably not an animal. Mm. There's a few animals with hands, but not that many.
3: Yeah, you can narrow it down. This is a box that tell you if it's a man or a monkey or an ape or not. So it's a pretty good box.
0: Yeah, you know what I realized
2: we should have done too in the first episode. What? There are so many box jokes we could have made. Like Paul's like, "What is that? What's a Gamjabar?" And the Reverend Mother is like, "It's my dick in a box." I'm like, no, Jackie, no,
0: I not to make that joke.
2: I
3: don't know that reference. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie that just came out. But is Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the Gamjabar box?
2: Yeah, and then you put your hand in there, and it's like, ooh, spaghetti and grapes. It's like
3: <laughs> <laughs> spaghetti and grapes. She would. Never <laughs> Never eat spaghetti and grapes. <laughs> and it's not goop friendly.
2: It's not goop friendly. She might eat grapes. Mm. High sugar content. Mm.
3: Can you answer something for me? For what instigated the entire plot? Yes. Why did the emperor decree that Duke Lido was taking over Arrakis in place of the Harkonnens? Like, I understand that the emperor didn't like the duke. Like, that's not a thing. Like through medieval times, and this is he like, was plain- vaguely- he was
0: working with the Baron to get rid of Leto because he was producing such powerful soldiers that the emperor felt threatened.
3: Right. But is that a thing through history for the king to like switch dukedoms to say like, all right, Duke, you're going from B to A and the other duke is going from A to B. You're trading. Is that a
0: thing? I mean, I don't know how often. I imagine switching is not that common, but I feel like a lot of times the king would be like, I'm going to reward you with a better one and then put someone else in there. But probably they don't switch very much. Usually it would be like, I'm executing this guy, you get his stuff.
2: Well, I'm imagining like Queen Elizabeth II takes megan and kate and is like okay you guys switch now switch husbands yeah you're going with harry and you're going with the other
3: one <laughs> i
2: can't remember his name william <laughs> wife swap oh my god that would be like the best tv show right <laughs> royal wife swap that would somehow oh,
3: make their family life worse
2: i can't imagine it getting worse but yeah i think it would
3: <laughs> so okay oh that also i'm reading a book right now called a distant mirror which is about the 14th century and chivalry is a big force in like knights lives and and a big determinant in how they behave is
2: it a non-fiction Yeah,
3: yeah, it's a history book about the 14th century. They talked about how the idea of love and marriage were completely separate. And in fact, since marriage had to be for socio or political reasons, the woman that you actually loved couldn't be someone that you married, even though extramarital sex was a sin. So there's constant tension there. I I see that at the end of Dune being like, he loves, uh, what's your name?
2: Chaney. Chaney. Dick Chaney.
3: Chaney, even though... He can't be married to her, and he has to um, marry—boy, I'm really blanking on names.
2: Irulan. Irulan. Uh, Irulan.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I did read it. But again, why would that be your closing, like, boom, end of the novel? Yeah. You can marry someone, but not love them, and then love your mistress. That's what I want to put out there.
2: What is Frank Herbert saying about his wife? Is he saying, like, there's actually another girl who had a lower social standing than you, and I wish I was with her instead, (laughs) but—
1: I also wish I was riding giant sandworms. Also,
3: I want blue eyes. (laughs) (laughs) I also have a weird thing with my mom. Do you think you had a thing for blue-eyed people? I don't know, man.
2: The whole spice thing, like, I feel like I would try to avoid eating spice. Really? Because I feel (laughs) like... Seems pretty good. Well, they talk about how, like, it makes your mind better and it makes you able to, like, have these kind of powers and, like, just be smarter and better at things. But then it just also kind of seems like that's not pleasant. To them to experience
3: hmm. it sounds kind of like acid yeah or mushrooms but also maybe like a bit like cocaine
2: I, i've definitely done all those drugs so i don't it's hard to choose
3: there there are lots of very interesting Psychiatric experiments right now, where they give patients psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, mm-hmm. and have them take that in a controlled setting with a therapist and talk through their feelings, and it is profoundly effective wow. for a lot of patients.
2: So that's the opposite of like the CIA's LSD experiments in the '60s, where they just gave you LSD and let you out <laughs> into the world and watch what happens.
3: If you gave a really depressed person LSD and told them to figure it out, I don't think that would work. <laughs> and I don't think it takes a Research grant to tell you that.
2: Yeah, well, they got one.
3: Yeah,
2: they um, Theo, you are going to hear my stomach rumbling on this recording a lot because I'm hungry. So I just want to get that out of the way right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to own it and lean into it. So Orientalism, next topic. Rachel, I know you had some stuff you wanted to talk about with that.
0: Yeah. So it's hard to know. Primarily, there's a lot of stuff borrowed from, like, various Middle Eastern cultures. He uses Arabic words. But also, the religions they follow are a blend of, like, a lot of different religions. The
3: Orange Catholic Bible, right? Yeah,
0: the Orange Catholic Bible. Supposed to be everything all blended into one religion. It's just hard to know, right? Like, is he being Orientalist or not? Because I read an article recently. So, there's an article called The Muslimness of Dune by the writer Haris Durrani. And he's Muslim and he says, basically, I thought he did a good job because to me it read like he was, it was like in dialogue with Islam as opposed to like just borrowing the trappings of it, which I, you know, I didn't read the appendix and I'm sure the appendix kind of goes more Hmm. into it. So I, I couldn't really say. I could see it being fine, but, you know, just a lot of times in the 60s, if you saw anything that had like a vaguely Middle Eastern or Asian flavor, just my hackles go up. I get a little bit wary.
2: (laughs) I also can kind of see like... And you see this a lot with people writing about, like, Indigenous Americans, for example, like... um, The Atlanta
3: Braves are having a hell of a season, by the way.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Risky, risky joke. Um, Well, it also just seems like, you know, white people will kind of, like, idolize or put on a pedestal, like, this whole, like, closeness to nature thing, and it's like, oh, look, they're, like, living amongst the desert, and they're, like, one with the earth, and...
3: Mm. Do you think that sets up authors to fail, though? Like, they can't be dismissive of other cultures, but also if they put them in podcast, of light then you're just fetishizing them
2: i think it's the same as with you know feminism or anything else like you you don't create like a strong female character with zero flaws and like her only personality is that she's great at everything and call that feminism right so i think you just have to be realistic um and i think it you know some people feel like this is realistic
3: i thought the freemen were like based pretty clearly on like bedouin people or like yeah and i thought they were pretty like well fleshed out and they were like dignified and competent Mm -hmm. but not perfect like you saw like well like for instance it was very like paternalistic. Mm-hmm. The male leaders were very quick to anger and killing people, and like they weren't perfect, but they were dignified. And
2: they had disagreements amongst themselves. They weren't like a hive mind. Yeah.
0: It's possible. I could see it going either way. Of course, if you're writing a book about like an a desert society, if you look at groups of people on earth who lived in deserts, they're all going to have some similarities because like there are certain things you have to do if you're gonna live in a desert. Desert. You know, like you have to be nomadic. <laughs>
3: you have to use sunscreen. <laughs>
0: Gotta use sunscreen. You have to figure out these you ways to, to conserve water. Like there are all these different things. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that, of course, there would be some similarities to Bedouin society. But I mean, saying like, oh, they were noble and their men are quick to anger. That still sounds like a stereotype.
3: (laughs) That's probably true for most men. Aren't most men?
0: Noble and quick to anger.
3: (laughs) I was going to say quick to anger. Maybe not noble.
2: I mean, maybe I don't know. I mean, I know you. Rachel had also mentioned like this characterization of Doctor UA, right? Like he's Chinese-ish, some type of East Asian character.
0: Yeah, the one guy where you can obviously be like, oh, this guy's Asian. They're like, oh yeah, he's like the slimy traitor. He's a traitor. Yeah.
2: <laughs> At least they didn't make him Jewish. I mean, I don't know, like you know, <laughs> right? Like there's a lot of races, ethnic groups, etc. That you could have like made Doctor UA, and it would have been like, why'd you make the slimy one that one? Or
0: just have multiple guys who are probably asian so that it's not like the one asian guy is a traitor <laughs> well it's not even i'm not
2: i'm not i promise i'm not just trying to like cherry pick weird things but i also brought this up in the first episode where every character and it's not unique to dr U A that he does this but every character that comes in pretty much gets the same description each time and i, I don't truly know why frank herbert chose to do that but with dr U A, it's his droopy mustache and his purple lips Droopy mustache, purple lips. Like, why? Why did he have purple lips? Why did we have to, like, emphasize the weird droopy mustache? Like,
3: Well, Chinese doctors love wearing purple lipstick. If I've learned one thing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the 90s are
0: back, baby. <laughs> yeah,
2: As long as you're in a hospital <laughs> in China.
3: <laughs> uh, Rachel, do you mind if I ask, what is your back? Grounds.
0: Racially speaking? Oh. <laughs> What's
3: a nice way of asking no, that?
0: My mom's side of the family has a lot of different Asians and Polynesians mixed together. Ah,
1: okay. We should have made him guess. <laughs> we make all of our guests <laughs>
0: guess. Yeah, everyone, if you want to come on, you must answer our riddle one. What race is Rachel? <laughs> okay. Yeah, just
2: throw a dartboard at, like, the map and, like, hit somewhere in Asia and you probably got it.
0: Yeah, well, you know, Andy Champion, when I met him, I forget... Somebody had said something and I said I was like, "Oh yeah, it's, you know, most it's probably Polynesian or whatever." And he's like, "Oh, I always assumed you were Native American." And I was like, "Really?" And he said, "In the age of Rashida Jones, anything is possible." <laughs> <laughs>
3: She's half black? Yeah. Not that rare of a combo. No,
0: but I think he's just saying, like, based on what she looks like, anyone could be anything.
2: (laughs) I mean, a lot of people think my mom looks like Rashida Jones, and my mom is, as far as we know, not any percent black. So I think... You know, she is very ambiguous.
3: (laughs) I can't imagine you coming from a lady who looks like Rashida Jones.
2: I don't look like either of my parents. I'm an anomaly. Are they
3: your biological parents? Is it like the movie Orphan? Is that what's going on here? What's Orphan? It's a horror movie where they adopt a little girl and she starts, like, trying to seduce the dad and then murders her parents. No, that's
0: not what Jackie's life is like.
3: (laughs) The the, the, the twist at the end is that she's actually 30 and a Russian woman. Is that what's
0: going on? (laughs) Okay, so let me tell you about
2: this. So my sister, no, my sister Madeline, every single time that I see her, she brings this up because she read, like, this, it's based on a news story. There was a woman who was adopted who claim to be like eight years old or something and it turned out she was actually like an adult Russian woman um, and I think like she claimed like they tried she tried to kill them or something I don't think she actually ended up killing anyone but Madeline like she wants to adopt like she's going through the process of being a foster parent but every time I see her and we talk about it she's like oh, no. what if I get a tiny Russian woman and she's older than me and I think she's a child and I'm like what are the odds of that yeah. you need to get this out of your it's head it's only happened once
3: it's only like 30% Yeah,
2: yeah. it's greater than Than fifty percent chance that that's not going to happen. Yeah, (laughs) flip a coin. (laughs) I didn't know that that was a movie, but it is based on a real thing that I hear about constantly
1: (laughs) why does my eight-year-old have a russian accent
2: (laughs) i mean she knew she was adopted from russia she just didn't know she was an adult
1: oh okay
2: i see
0: the part (laughs) part part that's horrifying is that the kid is russian not that they're an adult
2: i knew i was adopting a 40 year old but i thought they were from here (laughs) Uh uh-oh there goes the tummy again (laughs)
0: I can't even hear it.
1: I haven't heard anything. Theo,
0: amplify it. Was that
2: audible?
1: So what about what we were just talking about made you hungry?
3: (laughs) What works for my son, Jackie, is to start crying uncontrollably every time you get hungry. And then everybody in the household immediately comes.
2: Sticks you on a boob. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, Jack. Don't you think you're just training that kid to be a little bit, like, (laughs) needy? Yeah.
3: We were told to, for the first three months of the baby's life, he cannot think. You can't spoil him. If he's crying, it's because he really (laughs) is uncomfortable and needs something.
0: He's not being
2: crafty. How do we know when babies start to think? What does thinking even mean? Just look at him.
0: You can tell.
3: Yeah, you just see that look in the (laughs) eyes.
0: That thinking look.
3: I do. I, I love my son. But yeah, he's not thinking. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he makes a lot of rash decisions.
3: Yeah. He gambles.
2: Yeah. His frontal lobe right now is more or less just the consistency of
0: pudding. Mm-hmm.
1: Applesauce.
2: What, Theo? A nice pudding pop.
1: I suggested applesauce, but you said pudding, so. Uh,
2: Sorry. it's another good one.
1: I guess that reflects our diets.
2: <laughs> I suggested kale, but Rachel said pudding. <laughs> <laughs> everybody thanks for joining us for this special episode we hope you're enjoying it if you want to see some more of our content you can find us on social media find us on twitter and instagram at fire the cannon pod our facebook group and official page for announcements is fire the canon podcast you can also go to patreon.com fire the canon for more content and to sign up for one of our special donation tiers our uh in uh damn, I was doing really well. Our email address is Pod God damn it's Pod.
1: I'll edit it. Don't worry. Oh well now I'm not gonna edit it.
2: Our email address is fire the podcast at gmail.com. And as always, canon is spelled C A N O N. We have some exciting stuff coming up on Patreon. Jack's baby and I had the same due date.
1: Impossible. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, (laughs) I mean, different
1: years, but
3: (laughs) he was 520 weeks gestation.
0: (laughs) I was really early.
3: (laughs) No, wait, no, 400 weeks. Never mind. There we go.
0: Jackie's 400 weeks old.
3: That would be less than 10 years. <laughs> oh, no, I was thinking
1: months.
0: Okay. Months. Wow, your <laughs> math yeah. skills have gotten rusty over the course of this episode. <laughs> yeah. So basically, I'm eight years old, <laughs> is what he's
1: trying No, to but say. <laughs> you're really a 30-year-old Russian woman.
2: <laughs> Yet, <nyet. laughs> the, the only Russian word I can say. <laughs> okay. Did anybody else have strong feelings about Dune? <laughs> because our best content is when we're clearly not talking about Dune. <laughs> (laughs)
0: I mean I like Dune fine I don't I don't think I'll ever read it again. I might go through, just kind of flip through and read the openings to the chapters. Or like, I did like the beginning of Dune, but yeah, towards the end, I'm kind of like, eh. I might read the next books in the series, maybe, but I I don't really want to read Dune
3: again. (laughs) They get very strange.
2: You can't skip the one where the guy becomes a worm and marries a sister. Can't skip that. I don't
0: know. I might skip it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I would say I appreciated it for the prose. I thought it was extremely well written, especially when he was describing the mental effects on the spice. That was probably my favorite parts of the book. The
0: purpleness of Doctor Yue's lips. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that was so sensuous.
1: See, I think there's a disagreement here because Rachel and Jackie didn't like the prose. Really,
0: there were parts of it that I thought were good. He needed a good editor to hack and slash that bad boy. I think it wasn't the prose we disliked, Theo. It was that we said it got repetitive with him going from one person saying, "Here's my plan," person two saying, "I know that guy's plan. Here's my response," person three saying. Well, person two's response, I don't know if it's going to work because blah, 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 blah. And then like, a nut, like just so many people hashing over the exact same thing. I do agree that if you just take a slice of it individually, usually it was good prose. And he's just really good at describing
2: things. Um, and the characterization, as everybody knows, is really good.
0: We're all Duncan Idaho's on this pod. Yeah, that's what his fan club is called.
3: (laughs) No, Udaho. Hey.
0: Duncan Udaho.
3: (laughs) So Duncan Idaho was brought back from the dead for the sequel. Really? Because he was so popular.
0: Oh, sweet. Okay, then we'll definitely read it. (laughs)
3: Because he was so popular? Really? But He seemed kind of boring to me. Like, I didn't learn much about him.
0: But he
2: barely did anything. It was just the name we thought was funny. People just liked his name. Does he bring in a a brother who's like, and I'm Marvin Montana?
3: (laughs) (laughs) They had different dads, clearly.
2: They did, yeah.
3: yeah Half-brother. <laughs> well, now he does have a sister, <laughs> Hannah Montana. Oh.
2: And their moms are just like, what do they call them when they're like, Miss Miss North Carolina, Miss Idaho?
3: The beauty pageant in Shelby, which is my hometown, is called Little Miss Livermush. Oh. Is that a person's <laughs> name or... Liver mush is the local, like, meat product. It's pork liver mixed with cornmeal, which I know sounds gross.
2: But it is gross.
3: (laughs) But that's, like, the local, you know, it's sold throughout the South, and Shelby's known for it. Wow. But the child beauty pattern is called Little Miss Liver Mush.
0: Oh, gosh. Wow. In a southern accent?
2: (laughs) Well, if you win Little Miss Liver Mush, is it a... compliment or is it like you are the one who most embodies the concept of liver mush you're the most
0: mushy of all when i
3: think of killing a pig and taking out its liver and emulsifying it and mixing it with cornmeal and then making a cube out of it and then frying it and putting mustard on it i think of that four-year-old girl
2: oh it's a tiny little pageant
3: yeah it's like a child beauty pageant a
2: little miss. oh child beauty pageant
3: okay oh Is there a big
1: miss?
0: <laughs> big Miss Livermush. <laughs> then
2: there's a Mrs. Livermush and a Grandma
3: Livermush.
0: Grandma Livermush. It's <laughs> actually a good name.
3: Do you have to be married for the missus?
0: Apparently. You could be Ms. Mm. Livermush.
3: Or Dr. Livermush.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: The surgeon is the child's mother.
0: Doctor and Mr. <laughs> Livermush. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we have something similar in Cincinnati called getta. It's like some type of like pork meat thing, like mashed up with some type of grain. ork
1: meat? Meat's back on the menu, boys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good one, Theo. <laughs> that's
1: the one line I know from Cla-
2: the menu. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only line you know. You don't know like cast it into the fire or a wizard is never late or Oh,
1: I do know the wizard is never late. I like that one too.
2: I wish it had never come to this. All you know is, Beach back on the menu, boys.
0: (laughs) All right, keep your secrets then.
3: Because that's a meme.
0: Also, everyone's like, you know that means that orcs have restaurants. Like, the two jobs for orcs are like waiter and soldier. Pillager. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, it's because they're so nurturing. (laughs) Yeah, that's why they're so good at (laughs) fighting hobbits. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I honestly wouldn't have guessed that that Dune was written in the 60s. I knew the movie came out in the 80s, so I thought the book also came out, like, in the 80s. Hmm.
3: Well, it heavily inspired Star Wars.
2: Yes, that is a good point. That is a good point. just
3: said are kind of like Lady Jedi.
0: But very sexual instead of not sexual. Like if the Jedi controlled
2: you with
3: orgasms somehow. Hmm. Well, Luke Skywalker does have—or no, more of a Mace Windu.
2: He has that effect on you. <laughs>
3: you can tell. His, his purple lightsaber. It's because
2: of the double purple lightsaber, yeah. Did he have a double one?
0: Didn't he? No.
2: I think that's Darth
0: Maul. Yeah, Darth Maul. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, double-sided, yeah.
2: (laughs) It's like the double rainbow song, but for the lightsaber. It's starting
0: to look like a triple
2: lightsaber.
3: (laughs) I do like, for a couple weeks in 1999, everyone was unironically like, what the
0: fuck? Yeah. They were unironically (laughs) saying, what the fuck? (laughs) Is it that big of a leap?
2: Like, I mean, I guess now I'm jaded. Now, Now I'm just used to it.
3: We just hadn't considered it.
0: Yeah. I mean... Lightsabers everyone's like, "Oh, it's just a sword. It's a laser sword." And then you see a double-sided one, you're like, "I didn't even know they oh could do God. that." Yeah. Well, I guess I
2: knew Mace Windu's was purple, but I also thought there was something additional different about it. Yeah. So, but it's not
3: it's not just purple. Um, purple's enough. Can that be the title of this episode? Purple is purple's enough. enough. Purple's
0: enough. <laughs> we'll see. Might have to be Grandma Livermush. <laughs> I was going to say,
2: so this is also very tangentially related, but since you mentioned Jedi, um, something that is going on in the genetic counseling community is that we're trying to, like, diversify. And so they've started calling it Justice, Equitability, Diversity Initiative. So (laughs) it's the Jedi Initiative. The Jedi Initiative. Yeah. Just could you have picked a less distracting... Word, I think, like so. Everybody's just like, I'm really working hard on Jedi stuff this week, and I can't wait to like input more Jedi initiatives. The Jedi
0: conference,
2: yeah. Honestly, yeah, we're gonna have a Jedi come talk to us.
1: I mean, and Jedi are also like superhuman beings from birth. Yeah. To me, if you said you were you were a genetic counselor and you had this Jedi initiative, I would think it was like eugenics or something, or
3: like trying to. Yeah. Uh, my phone is out of battery, and it's also one Ooh, in the morning. Okay. All right.
0: All right. Cool. Bye. Okay, so.
3: <laughs> like Dune, it's just going to end.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll do the closing once you're gone. Say bye to Theo's mom, though. She likes the guests to do it. Say bye Nell. Bye Nell. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to us chat with our old pal, Jack Morgan, sometimes about Dune. We hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed having you here listening to us. (laughs) Please tell your friends and family about us. Also, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts if you're able to, because that really honestly makes a huge difference. We will, in a few days, have a Halloween special coming out. (gasps) We're going to read one, maybe two of the scary stories to tell in the dark and discussing them. So come join us. We're going to spook your freaking socks off. You're going to love it. Yeah. You might want to wear additional socks. Also, if you're someone who likes to kind of read along with us sometimes, for my birthday, which is November 4th, we're going to be releasing an episode on The Little Prince, which is quite short. So you have plenty of time to read it if you're interested. I'm very excited. I really want Theo to read it. He's supposed to because it's for my birthday, but I don't think he well, will.
2: He didn't read mine, yeah. so.
1: <laughs> I have to make it fair. I can't read yours if I didn't read Jack
2: yeah you
0: have to
1: <laughs> i'm sorry it's just... no you
2: don't no you have to jackie not, we fact. want
0: him to read it it's very good okay well uh as you heard earlier our social media is usually fire the canon pod which it is on instagram and twitter fire the canon podcast on facebook and our gmail is fire the Cannon podcast at gmail.com
1: love That's it about it right
0: Love it, and you can find us at Patreon.com/slash FireTheCannon. All right, we had a great time this week, and I'll see you guys soon to record those scary stories.